Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were humbled on Sunday. Are the Cincinnati Bengals back? And this new season for the Lakers looks very much like the last season. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. If I would have told you going into Sunday that the Panthers Buccaneers game would have ended 21 to 3, you would have thought totally normal. Nothing to see here. But if I had told you that it would be Carolina 21, Tampa Bay 3, and the Buccaneers would now be 3-4 and four after losing to the Panthers, who just fired their coach, and Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers, it is, it is, getting, it is getting ugly in, in Tampa Bay right now. Joining me now from Locked On Buccaneers, James Yarko. And, and James, listen, I, as someone who covers the Packers, I, I don't have like a high horse to be on about this, but what is going on in Tampa Bay? Well, and one of the things that you didn't mention is not only did the Panthers fire their coach, but they traded Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey right. and had their fourth string quarterback in and still managed to win 21 to three. Um, look, the there are a lot of problems with the Buccaneers right now, uh, and most of them are on the offensive side of the ball. Where you start is where all football starts, and that's in the trenches. Mm. The guard by committee that they decided to run against the Carolina Panthers, swapping out Luke Gedeke and Nick Leverett multiple times throughout the game is not going to get you anywhere. But the loss of Ryan Jensen, the retirement of Ali Marpet, and then the season-ending injury to Aaron Stinney are three major reasons why the Buccaneers are struggling right now. You can point to Byron Leftwich's play calling all you want, which I have. It's very predictable, <laughs> very vanilla. Even Jonathan Vilma on the broadcast says the Buccaneers are making it so easy on this Panthers defense. They're running out of obvious running formations. They're passing out of obvious passing formations. There's no creativity. So if I can tell you what the Bucs offense is about to do based on how they line up, what do you think seasoned NFL coaches and you know NFL players are going to be able to do? They're going to be able to figure it out. The, the big question is, is Byron Leftwich's play calling vanilla and basic and predictable because there's no faith in the offensive line and they're just trying to run plays that they feel will succeed? Or did the creativity go up to a luxury booth with Bruce Arians? And this is kind of what the Bucs are stuck with. I'm not sure we're ever going to get a true answer until... If the day comes that Tom Brady is lined up under center and Byron Leftwich isn't the one calling the plays, I tend to think they're a little hesitant because Brady's not getting the protection. They're not running, they're not opening running lanes for Fournette, but something has to change and it has to change in a hurry. The Panthers in this game averaged 6.9 yards per play, almost seven yards per play against the Buccaneers defense that for parts of the season, have looked like one of the five best in football. The talent is there, they, they, although they have had some injuries as well. To what degree do you think the offensive output 
is hurting what's happening on defense. Because again, as someone who covers the Packers, that is absolutely happening in Green Bay. Is it happening in Tampa Bay, do you think? Oh, it absolutely is. The defense kept the Buccaneers in this game for an incredibly long time. But when the offense isn't sustaining drives, they went two for 12 on third down. In, in their three losses, you know, ignoring the, the Chiefs uh, loss, they're converting on third downs at a rate of under 20%. So you're immediately sending your defense back out on the field and they can only do so much. You know, and, and I think that yards per play average is, is skewed a little bit because you had almost 100 yards on two runs late in the game because the defense was gassed. They gave the offense every opportunity to go out there and tie the game, to take the lead, to sustain drives, to put points on the board. And the offense was like, nah, not, not today. We need, we need you guys to score without Logan Ryan and Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy bunting. Oh, and by the way, Antoine Winfield Jr. leaves the game with a concussion, so he's probably out on Thursday. But please, if we're going to win this game, we need the defense to do the scoring. It's it's a mess, and there's a direct correlation to the defense not being able to get off the field late in games and giving up scoring drives when the offense is the one handing the ball right back to the opposing team. Stay up to date all year on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Bucks podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, are Joe Burrow and the Bengals back? Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. This Monday night game provides some interesting stuff. Beginning with the point spread, Bet Online has the Patriots nine point favorites over the Bears, scoring potentially at a premium. Bet Online has the total at 40. And one thing is clear both teams will be looking to run the ball. Bet Online has Justin Fields completions over under total at 13 and a half. Yikes. While Mac Jones is set at 18 and a half, bet online is where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Philadelphia Phillies are going to the World Series for the first time since 2009. What's up, guys? It's Connor Thomas, your host of Locked On Phillies. Sorry for the echo. Just got to work to do some Phillies postgame because your Philadelphia Phillies are heading to the World Series. It doesn't even feel real to say it. This team barely made it into the postseason. Took to their final three games. They were cold down the stretch. They had a lot of flaws, and all of a sudden, they just become, I don't know, the hottest team in baseball, a team that you can't get out. Uh, Bryce Harper is the best player on the planet. Zach Wheeler could be the best pitcher on the planet. Their bullpen's incredible. The team has resiliency. They get down, and they battle back. It doesn't matter. Rob Thompson for manager of the year. Bryce Harper for MVP, even though he played half the season. I, I don't know. This team is just special. Listen, the Astros are a juggernaut. It's going to be tough. But the Philadelphia Phillies are a team that just has that magic right now. And sometimes it's all it takes. I'll tell you what, it might be 14 years later, but it feels a lot like 2008. I'll talk to you soon on the next Locked on Phillies. The Phillies will be underdogs against the Astros to win the Fall Classic. Bet Online has the Phillies money line against the Astros plus 165. And the Houston Astros had the New York Yankees on the ropes Sunday night. 
Yeah, baby, let's go. The Houston Astros back to their second straight World Series. That's right, their fourth in the last six years. It was an amazing performance. It was a dogfight the entire way. The Yankees went up, tried to take the wind out of the Astros' cells. Jeremy Pena, the amazing rookie, three-run home run. The Yankees and the Astros would exchange hits and runs, and the Astros in the end would win 6-5, to five, ending the series sweep with a out of Aaron Judge. Ryan Presley, a perfect 9-for-9 nine nine in the postseason. We got your reaction. We got your live show after the game. We will get all the updates. We will give you all the breakdowns going into the World Series, the Houston Astros versus the Phillies. Let's go. Bury me in the H. Miami Dolphins and Pittsburgh Steelers matched up in a game of who are they for Sunday Night Football. I'm Chris Carter of the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm here at Channel 11 WPXI Studios as the Steelers have lost 16-10 to Sunday Night Football against the Miami Dolphins. It was a really tough loss and a hard-fought game all throughout. The Steelers' defense, after giving up an initial scoring drive, rose to the occasion, kept the Dolphins out of the end zone for the rest of the game. But time after time, they gave the Steelers' offense a chance. They had one really good drive with Kenny Pickett and three interceptions. One interception on Chase Claypool falling down, but two in the fourth quarter, both on potentially game-winning drives crush the Steelers in the end. At the end of this game, there's a lot of questions. One, why was there so much conservative play and play calling throughout the game? Maybe we got our answer with the interceptions at the end there because the Steelers were just trying to give themselves a chance to win it in the end. I think there's a bunch of things to take away here. One, George Pickens is, is, a, is a great player right now. He's making heck of plays, but they need to get the ball to him. The Steelers have these playmakers. I get that they're trying to protect Kenny Pickett. I get that they're trying to get you know keep protect him from himself so that he doesn't make the big mistakes like he did in this game, but ultimately if this team is going to grow with him, they need to grow with him. They need to let him take shots and this loss, these are losses, these are games that he needs to take with him, move forward and learn from it. He's going to become the Steelers franchise quarterback. He has to grow from these moments. They may have had Super Bowl aspirations coming into the year, but after another listless loss, the Denver Broncos are looking more like a candidate for a top draft pick. If you were to ask any Denver Broncos fan that going into week eight, the Broncos would be at two and five right before the bye, I think a lot of people say, no way, you're crazy. That, that's the reality here for this Broncos football team right now after a home loss to the New York Jets. I'm Cody York, host of Lockdown Broncos, and the Broncos drop a home game 16-9 to the visiting New York Jets. The Broncos defense early on allowed an explosive touchdown, but buckled down for the remainder of the game there and forcing the Jets to kick and settle for field goals the rest of the way. Unfortunately, the Broncos offense in the second half couldn't get anything going, not to mention Broncos kicker Brandon McManus missed an extra point early on in the game and a 56-yard field goal that maybe would have made the score 13-13 in the fourth quarter, which could have changed the game plan a little bit. Pressure is mounting for Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett with the offense being one of the league's worst. As a matter of fact, after Sunday, it dropped to the league's worst offense in terms of points scored overall. Where do things go here as the Broncos now prepare for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Check out Lockdown Broncos on your favorite audio podcasting platform or on YouTube for more. Unfortunately, they traded a bunch of their draft picks and are not going to take a quarterback if they get a high pick because they are married to Russell Wilson. Maybe they can get some tips from Sierra. Here is another story you need to know. In the AFC, it's the Chiefs and the Bills, right? Well, the Cincinnati Bengals 
do not want you to forget about them. Joe Pearl put on an absolute show over 500 total yards, four touchdowns in total in a 35-17 beatdown of the Atlanta Falcons. Joining me now from Locked on Bengals, Jake Lisko. And, and Jake, this is, after all, the reigning AFC champion. So we should not have forgotten about the Cincinnati Bengals but it looks like this offense has caught a groove over the last six or so quarters in particular. What is working for them right now? They've entirely changed their offense. And I would argue that more than six quarters is probably more like 10, but I can see why you would say it's six. They've abandoned the under center game largely. They were under center a little bit in week seven against the Falcons, including a QB sneak for a touchdown, a goal line run for a touchdown. And even later in the game, they found a wide zone play for 10 yards. So the under center game in general, not great for this team. They decided, you know what, let's just go in the shotgun. And if we can run it out of shotgun, that erases this tendency issue that we've had where when we get under center, we're running the ball too much and teams are teeing off against our play action for some reason because we can't run it very well from under center. So you get rid of that whole part of the offense and you credit Zach Taylor for going from this team that wants to be based on wide zone and had these two siloed offenses to getting into this shotgun kind of team where they're playing a lot more gap stuff out of the gun. They're, they're pass first. You look at their neutral pass rate, probably the last three weeks, or I would assume at the top of the NFL after they were again a pass-heavy team to start in week seven. And so that, I think, plays to Joe Burrow's strengths. He's been processing at a much higher level the last two weeks, in particular finding guys over the middle, finding the matchups with Jamar Chase when teams are foolish enough to play man. It's gotten to the point, Peter, where when I see pressed man single high and, and Jamar Chase is getting pressed and it doesn't look like there's help over the top, I, I pre-write the tweets. It's like, here, here comes another vertical shot on the sideline <laughs> to Jamar Chase, and it happened again in week seven for uh, a touchdown that Jamar Chase called the best throw of Joe Burrow's career. Well, there have been many, and there were many in this game. Joe Burrow, 34 of 42 for 481. Somehow not a perfect pass rating. I don't quite understand how you even have a perfect pass rating if that's not it. But the other side of this is the defense because mm -hmm. quietly, and I think probably not to your listeners, but maybe to the casual fan that did not pay full attention to the Bengals last year, the defense was a big part of their success, especially in the postseason, especially in that second half against Patrick Mahomes. And really outside of a 75-yard touchdown in this game, played really well against a Falcons team that is really hard to prepare for. What, what are they doing well on that side of the ball right now? I mean, today it was guys stepping up. They're without DJ Reader, who I think is their best defensive player. Trey Hendrickson left the game in the second half with a neck injury. And Logan Wilson, their best linebacker, didn't play in this game either. They are creative and incredibly disciplined in the secondary. Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator, has a defensive backs coach background, and that group shines the brightest for this team. But Marion Hobby, the Bengals defensive line coach, does a fantastic job with those guys as well. And today against the, the Falcons, on Sunday anyway, Jay Tufele, playing all over the interior defensive line, was inactive for a lot of the early part of the season. They've started to accumulate injuries. He comes up plays well inside. Sam Hubbard continues to be great against the run. And really it was, it was just two drives for the Falcons in this game. There's one coverage bust. Eli Apple needs to know he doesn't have help over the top and actually stay deep and, and maintain leverage against a vertical route. I think it was cover three on that particular play. At least I hope it wasn't man because the way Apple played it, if it was man, that 
may, might even be worse than if it's cover three. But either way, when you know you don't have help over the top, you have to stay on top of those vertical routes in that situation. He didn't lead to a big touchdown. The other one, a, a long extended drive. It took the Falcons 10 minutes to go 75 yards on 16 plays. And when you're already down 21 to zero, you're probably okay with that on defense. But even with that long sustained drive outside of that, the Falcons offense was bad, just bad. Stay up to date all year on the Cincinnati Bengals by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Bengals podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, this new season for the Lakers seems to look a lot like the last season for the Lakers. We'll explain next. Yes, it was an NFL Sunday, but the NBA has started and we're going to talk some basketball because the LA Lakers are 0-3, which is going to have a lot of fans going, no, nah, that's a shame. But <laughs> this is this is a big story with one of the biggest stars in sports on it and plenty to talk about. So to do that, my pal Andy Kamenetsky from Locked On Lakers joins me now. And, and Andy, this is on the heels of a 106-104 loss to the Portland Trailblazers. We got Dame time. You are not here to talk about Damian Lillard being clutched once again. But this is a Lakers team that shooting is really, really a problem on this team. LeBron James has mentioned it now. They shot six of 33 in this game. Where do they where do they go from here with a roster that doesn't seem to have answers in the shooting department? No, as LeBron James said after game one, uh, this is not a roster filled with lasers. Uh, <laughs> which, which is what a great line. Yeah, I'd never heard that before. It made, made me immediately think of like, you know, Austin Powers right. and sharks laser. with freaking laser beams on their head. But they, you know what? They could use a few of those sharks. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. they wouldn't shoot any worse. Like, if the Lakers, who shot 18% in this game and they've shot anywhere from 18 to 24%, I believe, in their three games this season, if they okay. were merely a run of the mill below average, three-point shooting team as opposed to like a fiery train wreck where everybody died below average three-point team, they would be minimum two and one. I mean, it, it really is that unspeakably bad. And there are other issues with this team that need addressing. You know, Russell Westbrook will always be a topic of conversation and this game will be no exception. But the bad shooting is what really is holding them back more than anything else. Yeah, you got 22 and 10 from Anthony Davis. You got 31, 8 and 8 from LeBron James, who like seems like there's a legitimate chance he could win the scoring title if if he really wants to go for it. But to your point about you know almost being two and one, or or you know, if if things were just a tick better, they could be much better in the record department. Is there something that you think could just be done from a tweak standpoint to, to get them on track? I mean, the Russell Westbrook trade idea aside. I mean, honestly, not really. I mean, in terms of <laughs> internal improvement, I mean, you know, the, the trade options are the trade options. And, you know, I know I personally have spent like the last five months talking about Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Um, but a guy like Matt Ryan, for example, who was essentially a G League call up, you know, he he's on the team right now because of the outside shooting, but he's a liability defensively. And Troy Brown Jr. was active today, basically took Matt Ryan's minutes because he's a better NBA player and theoretically a better or theoretically he is a competent league average three point shooter. Um, and I thought Troy played well. So, that, I mean, that's a positive, but internally there really is nowhere for them to find better shooting other than guys just 
hit your career averages, which were league average or below. Like if everybody just shot at their not adequate enough career three-point averages, it would this team would look dramatically different. Like it, it wouldn't strike the fear of God in you at all in terms of them being, you know, along the arc or in the corner, but they look that much different if everybody is properly deficient from behind the arc. Does this version of LeBron James, who who looks, you know, at his age still as as great as I wouldn't say as ever, but he still looks awesome. Does it does it whet your appetite a little bit more for a healed Turner trade? I mean, I've I've heard that trade put out there as just sort of like a band-aid on a, you know, a, a flesh wound, but I don't know. It sounds like you're saying maybe you think that could make a bigger difference than than others have said potentially. Well, I think it could put the Lakers in a position where if nothing else, they're a more competitive team. You know, I think that if you add Miles Turner and Buddy Heald to this roster and Turner stays healthy, everybody else stays healthy, you avoid the issues from last season. I think they could be anywhere from a five to six seed, maybe a four, but in a position where they can potentially capitalize on other teams' misfortune. Anthony Davis and Miles Turner, I think, would be a pretty incredible defensive backcourt. I think they could play off each other offensively. But I also think you have to be realistic about how, what type of deal you can make that can put this foundation in front-runner contention. Like, I don't think that trade exists. Stay up to date all year on the LA Lakers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Lakers podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. And finally, Rory McIlroy has a good luck charm and his name is Kyler. Rory met Kyler at the PGA Championship at Kiowa in 2012 and got the chance to reunite with him after the second round of the CJ Cup in South Carolina. Kyler is 28 and has cerebral palsy. I've known you longer than I've known my wife said McElroy. Rory even added that the two times he's met Kyler, he's won that tournament, including on Sunday. He even asked after the round if Kyler would come with him to Dubai next. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, who is in the driver's seat as NFL Week 7 comes to a close? So at least until tomorrow, Stay locked on sports today.